2: My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how.
0: Welcome to our live UN5O on Facebook. This is our first live stream for and 50 Welcome to those of you that are joining us. Um, so, we're going to be talking about, uh, we are allies. So I'm gonna get, let our folks introduce for those of you who may not know who is with us and those of you who may be joining us for the first time, UN50 is, a, is about how to, working with individuals and teaching them how to safely interact with law enforcement. Uh, it is, um, we've been in business since 2015 and working with the city of Durham and other communities um, locally and beyond. And what one of the things that we do is that we talk about the community, how to safely interact. But we also talk about mental health and anything that kind of relates back to law enforcement, trying to empower the community and how they can work in this moment to get the individual agencies in their community. One of the things that that I believe in is that the. There is a national conversation going on about policing in this moment, but what I would also encourage people to look in locally, it's a national narrative, but it's a local action. And so we're gonna be uh, talking about today, perspective of being black police officers in this moment uh, and who I my guests are with me uh, are executives who have retired from the Durham City Police Department and I'll let them introduce themselves. But the first person I want to introduce to you is my one of my co-hosts, Uh, Harmony Chavis who has been with me since we started this um, podcast back in uh, 2020 so Harmony you want to kind of let them know who you are I should do this
1: every time (laughs) and why and why
0: you are (laughs) <laughs> um are you using the cup i got you i am using your cup oh. she, she got me a cup it said all as one and we will rise above so i love it so thank you very much
1: you're welcome um so my name is harmony chavis i work for an insure tech startup here in durham uh, my background is as a social worker um what else about me i believe in radical love and kindness as acts of um, activism and resistance and i've been saying this a lot to a lot of different people because i think that um as as people that are trying to mobilize in their communities sometimes it can be hard to kind of step away and have some me time so um if you're listening to this today this is a reminder that black joy is indeed an act of resistance and sometimes that's more than enough
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. My radical person, I love it. Uh, we also have another co-host, a regular co-host. His name is Andrew. He's actually my nephew, but he is working his way out of a cave down in Mexico, so uh, he, he wasn't able to join us
1: <laughs> tonight.
0: So, but he, but but when you listen to our podcast, our um, primary co-host is Harmony and Andrew. We started a series called We Are Allies and these individuals are my, f- my friends and co-workers from the Durham City Police Department and I reached out to them to see if they would want to participate in this conversation coming from the perspective of Black police officers, Black executives and um, communicating that to our community. So first person I'm going to introduce you to is uh, Assistant Chief uh, Mr. Jesse Burwell. Can you talk to him a little bit about who you are sir?
3: Yes. Good afternoon to everybody. Uh, My name is Jesse Burwell and I was a non-sworn assistant chief for the city of Durham Police Department. I got promoted to that position in 2006 and I retired in 2017. Before that, I was the department's fiscal manager. I managed the budget.
0: Thank you, Jesse. And then we have Mr. Terrence Simile, assistant chief as well. Can you talk to a little bit to you about you, Mr. Assembly. Oh, oh, and let me just go ahead and say why he has a really big grin on his on his face. And we we, we appreciate him uh, bringing his uh, his information or his talent to us today because he's on the, he's at the beach. He's doing what retired <laughs> folks do. So thank you, Terrence. Go ahead, sir.
2: Oh, absolutely. I I, I really appreciate the offer to be here. Um, my name is Terrence Simley. I. Um, was with Durham Police Department for 23 years. uh, I was going to say graduated. Retired in (laughs) February 2020. So I've been retired a little over a year now, and I retired from um, Durham Police Department as Deputy Chief. Um, At that time of retirement, I was over the Investigative Services um, Bureau. So... That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I'm at the beach relaxing. Um, So, just, you know, I'm a little more casual than everybody else, but that's okay. That's okay, <laughs> man. You retired, and
0: and, and and I, I apologize because I, I had a brain cramp, it and to make sure that I did not want to demote Terrence, he is retired as a deputy police chief. So my apologies. That's fine.
2: That's fine.
0: And then last, and of course not least, is my buddy, uh, calling my private pastor, my personal pastor. <laughs>
2: That's right.
0: Uh, Winslow Forbes, introduce yourself, sir.
4: Yes, I would like to say good evening to everyone as well. Uh, again, my name is Winslow Forbes. Uh, I retired in 2016 at the rank of assistant chief with Durham Police Department um, with 30 years of service and uh, deputy chief counsel. We go way back. She used to be my boss and uh, she was very nice to me. I'll say that <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Love
0: it to death. Well, well, you know, checks in the mail, checks in. Yes, the yes, mail. <laughs> yes, very nice. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So, just again, I just want to re kind of reiterate that that this is a new series that that, we, that I decided to start this year, um, and it's called "We Are Allies." Um, well, actually, we started last year, but to make it a regular, we made a decision this year, and it was to talk about how, especially during this moment. Um, black officers, um, how they're navigating that and how they're viewed in our community. Um, it, it, it means something to me and to be able to, to people to hear our perspective. Uh, and that comes from the fact that we in some communities, and some folks, we are ostracized because they don't believe that we can be black and blue. And so we want to make sure that our voices are heard, that we're here, we see our community, we want to help our community. Um, and so get kind of start off is that we want to just gonna kind of just make sure that we understand the history of policing. I think we all understand the history of policing is based in slavery, uh, returning enslaved persons back to that um, as it evolved over the the years moving that people were basically all for lack of better words, almost every person was deputized to say that they could go and return um, black and brown bodies back to, to, to their owners. And then the evolution to Ku Klux Klan and then any, you know, individuals becoming part of law enforcement. So for me, I think one of the things that I would like to see is that the industry itself acknowledges it's history, just simply acknowledge the history. And then that's when we all know we can maybe start moving forward. So I just kind of want to start there and, and get some input from from you guys on that.
4: Okay, I'll start off by saying that my experience um, as a African-American uh, police officer, uh, when I first got mm-hmm. on the police department, um, you know, I'm from the country and you all know that, and I'm used to, in the country, you know, everybody you see, you wave, and you say hello to them. I mean, that's just how it is. People you don't know, you speak to, and I was with my training officer, and we went into the housing community, and I saw this uh, young black mm-hmm. male. He was walking with his father, and, and I, you know, uh, put my wonder down, and I spoke to the young man, say, hey, how you doing, and I was in shock the way that his father responded to me, I actually snatched his son back and told him, he said, hey, look, that's the police. You know, don't you don't talk to them. And, you know, I went home that evening um, very disappointed because, as you said, early, Deputy Chief, you know, we there to help the community. And that was one reason why I went into law enforcement, you know, to make a difference. And um, then on another occasion, uh, when I was assigned to a different unit, I actually kept. The unit that I work uh, under your leadership, and I uh, was conducting a raid, and this young boy, he was approximately, I would say 11 years of age, and he walked up to me and my partner. We were standing outside the door, and he walked up. He said, "You dirty cops! If I had a gun, I would shoot you." And again, you know, when I saw that, I would say it's something that we have to do different, you know, to reach our young people, letting them know that you know, even though with the history, as you stated before that all police officers are not bad and we are there to try to help. And that also pushed me uh, to start a youth program where I've been working with the young people, now I'm going on 19 years. Um, and a lot of the young people that I have worked with, uh, initially that was their opinion about the police, that they hated the police. And after they got to know myself and other police officers because several officers uh, help, help out with the program, Um, They uh, began to have a different look on the police, whereas to the point that, you know, some have now became police officers, some have gone to the military, so Um, we can make a change by being involved and getting out in our community.
0: Wow. Yeah, th- thanks for, for saying that about your organization. Um, and we got to make sure we put a link on that too for folks that can encourage them to get involved with your organization. And before I forget, for those that are, that are hopefully that are, that are listening to us, if you have a question, please put it in the uh, in the box, and and we one of my team members will monitor uh, that. If you so, just chime in, even if it's if you're saying, well, they're not talking about this. Go ahead and, and put it in, and we're more than willing to to help. Answer any kind of questions that that you might have uh, tonight. It's kind of just whatever you want to ask. Don't 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 hesitate. Uh, we're we're more than willing to do that. Uh, uh, Terrence, you or Jesse, anything you want to add on that, or any experiences, or how you feel about the history?
3: I was not a non sworn assistant chief. Um, when I would tell people what I do, not all of them, but a lot of them look at me like. I had two heads. So you you, can (laughs) kind of see uh, or tell the dislike or distrust of uh, sworn officers. And um, one of the things I was over when I was a uh, non-sworn assistant chief, I was over recruiting. And that was one area where it was very hard To attract black applicants, they were just not interested. And I've approached people, you know, one on one that that I knew were looking for work and that I felt like good candidates. And uh, it it was just hard. It's just hard to find uh, blacks, qualified blacks, that want to be. And I'm sure it hasn't changed that much since I left.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, in fact, recruiting officers, any black or white right now with everything that's going on, has got to be difficult oh, across yeah. the board. Um, mm-hmm. Not not just black uh, employees, but just 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 everything that's going on in the industry right now. Um, Terrence, you got anything?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll add a little something, uh, because I, I really believe that any any black officer or any officer of color is pretty much going to have the same stories. Um that Chief Forbes was talking about. Um, so I won't <coughs> dwell on that. <laughs> However, I will talk about the importance when we talk about being black and blue. And um, um Chief Counsel, when you were talking about it's very important to talk about the history and where um policing came from from the beginning. And 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 if we're going to do anything to 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 fix. <laughs> sing. Yeah. Right. Um, we have to start at home. So, you know, I I'll just start locally with with just the fact that, you know, Durham, police department got its first black officers in 1944. We're not talking about a long, long time ago. Right. Um why? Because they needed to do something, um, well, or they call themselves doing something um to satisfy the black community um by hiring black officers and 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 when we're talking about history um just like I was talking about Chief Forbes and we all having the same story I think any agency that that hired black officers no matter when they did it it's the same story you know we hired our all black officers in 1944 um they weren't like Several things. Number one, they weren't even able to cross the tracks. And anybody right. in Durham knows where the tracks are. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we weren't able to arrest or or pretty much deal with with white people without having to call a white officer over mm-hmm. to do it. Um, officers in Durham and when they became the first black officers were not able to. Um, they were going to hire you. you. You you, could not meet. You could not change in the same facilities that the white officers did. I don't even think, and I could be wrong about this fact, but I don't even think it was the same building. Um, they didn't get cars. The equipment was subpar. So when we talk about the, the history of policing, you're really talking about history in general. Right. The way that black people were treated. Um, I I just think it's very important when we talk about, can you be black and blue to talk about the necessity of it because of the history of it.
0: Wow, exactly. I'm sitting here thinking that we just had, uh, Glenda Beard was on our last podcast and she was talking about, they didn't think she was gonna last. (laughs) So they didn't give her a uniform. You know, right. so they let her ride around and what it was something, but it 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 uh it took them a minute because they didn't think she was gonna stay.
2: And, and that's something I I don't, I don't even I don't think I've even heard that story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they, they think she was gonna stay. So yeah, I mean, and and I think for me when we talk about this for what what black uh, the struggle that the black officers had to deal with internally coming into this industry, and then they didn't want us in anyway. Right, and then our own communities are turning against us because we became police officers. So I think you know. So that that that's stressful. I think that's stressful. Harmony, you got any, you got anything? I know I see you over there shaking your head.
1: Um, I thought that it was interesting. Um, when when Assembly said that. When we're talking about the policing, like the history of policing, we're talking about history in general. Um, I think it's really important for us to remember that as we are, you know, having these hard discussions, um, because it does, you know, kind of set the the context or the the preface for it, if you will. Um, yeah, and I'm just I'm excited to hear more about your why and why you guys decided to get into this and how you've seen it changed as the years have progressed. Thanks,
0: Harmony. Jess, I want to go back to you for just before we because there's one we're, we're going to go into while we while we all join law enforcement. But I think it's interesting that, um, like Jess said, he's non-sworn. And I kind of want you to talk about that a little more about the fact just because you were working with police officers, people looking at you all sideways. I mean, that's just I think that's just uncool in a whole lot of levels. Um as to how law enforcement is viewed to even be viewed just because you're catching a check and you're not even a police officer. And people, I mean, how how was that for you?
3: It can make you feel kind of funny, but it didn't happen a whole lot, but it happened often enough that I know if you tell certain people that even though you're non-sworn, you're a police executive, and that they have an issue with it, um, so it just shows me how deep rooted the problem, the problem is. It, you know, right? Yeah. You know.
0: Cool. I'm gonna go ahead and stick with you, Jess, and then I'll go to. To we'll talk a little bit while we join. What one? How was it for you when you made the decision? That, was there a concern for you prior to becoming like an employee of? the police department, you know, how, how was that for you becoming part of the culture, so to speak? How, how was that for you as an, as a non-sworn? I mean, I, the the three of us, we love Jesse. I mean, J- Jesse more po-po-po each. <laughs> J- Jesse Jesse rocks and rolls and knows exactly what we need, how we need it, and he would always be there for us. And he understood what law enforcement, how what you know the the mission and the goals of the Durham Police Department. He he got that and he helped us. So I guess I kind of want to know for you, how how does that work for you to become part of an organization that has this you know perspective view from most of uh, folks outside of law enforcement. How was that for you?
3: Well, it was. It was kind of. It took an adjustment. It, it took an adjustment, and I actually. Um, I don't want to give you my life history, but you know, <laughs> I started out uh, as an accountant with American Tobacco Company. When that company folded, I came to the city in the city county planning department. And
0: I- hey, Je- hey, Jess, just just your know, your volume's a little low. So make sure you turn your there volume you know. up. So make sure we can hear you. Okay.
3: So I, I came to the police department from the city county planning department, I, I started at the city county planning department in 1988. Uh, and worked there till about 1990. And it was it was one person in the city county planning department that was a former police officer. And while a lot of people were telling me that I needed to Think twice about that because <laughs> crazy culture," he said. Jesse, uh, with with your knowledge and with your personality, you gonna go over there and you will be fine.
0: Wow! Yeah,
3: that's what he told me. I won't call his name, uh, but I still remember his name. He said, with with, with your knowledge and with your personality," he said, you, "You'll be fine." And 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 so, you know, I made a decision to do it because the position from uh, at the police department was actually a promotion for me leaving uh, the city city county planning department. So I just said, you know, I'm going to go for it, and I ended up making it a home.
0: You did, and I'm glad you took his advice because I. I- Forever ever indebted to Jesse Burwell. <laughs> you know, he's the, the man. man. Yeah, he is the man. So thank you, Jesse. So oh, Forbes, so how, you said you, you did you always want to be the Popo?
4: No, actually, um, up through college, I, I wanted to be a Marine. Uh-huh. And, um, but my mind changed. Um, the military got to the point where they were not accepting officers, a lot of officers, so that made me start looking at law enforcement, uh, mm-hmm. something that was paramilitary. And um, and uh, so once I got into it, you know, my initial plan was I'm going to go and serve three years and then I'm going to go federal, you know, uh, join the Secret Service. But, of course, once I got in it, I started enjoying the, the job, met a lot of good people. And then I saw how I really could help and make a difference in the, the community. All right. I mm-hmm. was, you know, in local law enforcement, so many different divisions that you can serve in. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, got blessed when I started getting promoted and I was uh, receiving good assignments. It kept me there. Right. And so once I um, made the 10 year mark, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to stay and make a career out of it. And and so at that point, um, I stayed and, and made a career out of it. But like I said, I, as I look back in my life now, if I had to do it over, I would do it again because, I feel like that I met a lot of good people. Um, and also, when I look back and I reflect, even the arrests that I made and and who knows how many arrests that I made during my career, I feel like I always did it right. So I feel mm-hmm. good about that.
0: Yeah, and you have a <laughs> ser- service, um, you know, service attitude too, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's kind of where you're your core and that's what we need officers who have that that automatic service quality go ahead terrence what What about you
2: you know i i'll say this and you all have heard this story everybody's probably heard this story but but it, it's important and it's important to me about why i came into law enforcement now did i want to be a police officer i i don't know i don't think so um i just in the in the I think it was the 10th grade I, I walked into a classroom and um there stood this man that looked like me um wow. it, was, it was a criminal justice class you know and 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 there stood this this man especially you, you think it's bad now you definitely didn't have a lot of black teachers back in the day especially males right you know so I, I walk into this criminal justice class and there there stood this man that looked like me. And, um, you know, he he was just a a, a tall guy and he had his suit on and he was just cool. He had (laughs) charisma, this man had character and he just caught everyone's attention. Um, I went to school in Fairville and um, so military family, Nothing was all black or all white in, right. in, in my environment. Um so, you know, there's there stood this man that looked like me and 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 he just captured my attention and and he was he was he was everything that I now know a leader should be. Mm-hmm. And um he taught us criminal justice and he was very um kind of laid back casual with us. He came, he came to our level to, to tell you right. the truth. Good. And, um, you know, I think one day somebody asked him if he was going to be at the high school football game. Now, oh, oh, what I failed to say is he was a deputy sheriff.
0: Okay.
2: He worked, I think, for the reserve unit for Cumberland County Sheriff's department. Um, so that's what ties it in. But somebody asked him one day, are you going to be at the game? And, you know, in his cool self he was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be at the game and I'm gonna be armed and dangerous. <laughs> I was like, you know, at that point everybody laughed and right. I'm like, well, you know, I wanna be cool, armed and dangerous, you know. <laughs> 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 <In> the- <sighs> but it said all that to say I had a mentor that didn't even know he was mentoring me at the time. Right. And that's whose footsteps. That I kind of wanted to follow in growing up in Fairville, The military was just every day, right? You know, I, I was born on Fort Bragg. Oh wow! The, the, wow. The, the, the military was every day, and 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 I I honor and respect everybody that took that route. Right. Um, it just wasn't the route for me, but it was the route that we saw everybody taking in my area, pretty much. So school was my route then i came to north carolina central so to, to answer the question that's why i went into some sort of um law mm-hmm. was because i had i was blessed enough to have a mentor i was blessed enough to have somebody that that i looked up to that actually cared about me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and just later on i Come to fight. He, he, his son and I became good friends. We both, we were the same age, but we just went to two different high schools. Wow.
1: But we became
2: wow. good friends. And um, wow. so that was that. And, and and that's why, you know, I'm I'm also glad that that Forbes shared his story. Um, or you said something about Forbes and, and his community service and his um his group the foundation and the whole, the whole nine yards, because like I told people when, when I, um, retired that people, people are watching you. They're they're watching us all the time. And, and it's people like my, my teacher and and Forbes and, and Jesse and yourself, BJ, people are watching you. And, um, I, I just think it's 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 very important to come into law enforcement as a black officer with something to offer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not just be here because we all know um the the name of the game is not taking everybody to jail every no, that's right minutes, right? That's right so that's, right. That's, right. That's, right. That, that's how I ended up here and just thankful enough and in and, and, and in the blessings that that I got would be able to be in this profession and and retire. Um, so uh, you know, as Har- Harmony's a, a young young person, and just to know that people outside growing up military really don't retire from things too much anymore. They go from this job to that job to that job to that job for so, for even being as old as I am (laughs) to be able to go somewhere and actually retire from it to me is a blessing, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 absolutely right. Wow, you had a you you guys have totally different stories than I did. I'm gonna because I'm gonna be real honest, I got this question over here, you know, talking, I'm gonna read this in a minute about the history, but um. Uh, I became a, I became a police officer because the sister needed a job. <laughs> <You
4: know?
0: laughs> Need a job. I needed a job. And so, I mean, it, it, it ain't I mean, that's all that was. I was flipping burgers and working at Parks and Rec. And somebody said, uh, you might be a good police officer. And I looked at it. I looked at how much they were making. I said, I can get that for doing one job because oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I was hustling, man. I was doing the, and then when I got in, it, it, it just showed you the universe and and the Holy Spirit. Personal pastor yes. uh, uh, tells you, push you in the spaces you need to be in, you know, and it and it fit me like a glove, and I have loved it ever every since. Um, I've loved it ever since. So yeah, uh, it's a, a service doing for our community and, and everybody in the community and doing that. So let me get to this question that why are all, all police officers, why are all police officers are looked at the same? Black officers have their own struggles being black wearing blue. Where did the hate and distrust among black officers come from? Black officers should not be herald, held accountable for what white officers do. Uh, and then I think this is a follow-up, uh, is the problem not respecting authority, especially black authority? Um, I think one of the things that we do in UN50, and you got—if uh, you need me to repeat that—but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, so why are all police officers looked at the same? Black officers have their own struggles. Where did the hate come from? Um, and I appreciate that question because one of the things that I talk about in UN50—it's uh, a national conversation. Well, obviously, right now, the court case for the murder of George Floyd is going on, mm-hmm. and what I would put into the space is that one individual, one police officer had his knee on the neck of a, of Mr. Floyd. That officer is responsible for his action, not the entire industry, but that individual made an individual decision not to re- simply remove his knee and he was law enforcement. And, and the conversation for me, and I think Harvey and I on another podcast have talked about that, Yes, he was wearing a uniform, but, but in that moment, he did not demonstrate his humanity for the person not- under his knee. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. go ahead.
1: I just want to bring up this perspective and play devil's advocate per usual. But I remember when I was a little girl before I would leave the house, me and my nieces, because they were around the same age as I was, we get this speech that when you leave this house, you are a representation of this last name and you better not be acting out here, acting a fool and bringing shame to this family. Right. And it's not to say that, you know, police officers don't have that same accountability. Um, but it is to say that, you know, yes, it was an individual decision, but it is indicative of a larger problem that we've seen over and over and over again. So I think while it's important, yes, that we do have to acknowledge that there are individuals that make up these systems, the system in the way that it is designed is functioning as it should be functioning. It's doing exactly what it was intended to do. And I think that it's, we're taking a lot of accountability away from individuals that do really and truly make up these systems.
2: Okay, I, I I I can agree with that one hundred percent. Harmony and and one thing I'll say to that is, you were raised well. If you got that speech every day, we did. <laughs> so so, so and <laughs> and sticking and sticking with topic, um, it was too many people that didn't get it.
1: hmm Absolutely.
2: And and, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm talking about police officers. Because when you got it at a young age made you who you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can imagine people who are, I'll say unlike us, the people on this panel, that didn't get that speech are, are the 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 Chavins or whatever his name is that we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, the the accountability is to about how the system deals with that. How do you flesh that out? I mean, how do you identify mm-hmm individuals who are like him or her how, how does the system do that and that's when I you know I go back to the local it's a national narrative but what is Durham Police Department doing you know they, they've got alert systems in place uh, the state of North Carolina with they just did the uh, the racial task force for racial equity and criminal justice one of the things about accountability is that what they're suggesting is that if an officer gets complaint on twice in a month, Something needs to be done, you know. So, so those are the kind of things that are that holding those systems. What does that look like in local Asia? How do we make sure that you know, BJ, you've got complained on twice for whatever that is. Do we need to, you know, get you on the track out of here, or do we need to figure out how to help you figure out what you need to do and how you need to deliver services? So, yeah. Uh, anybody else got any comment on that?
4: Well, and I think when you're talking about uh, say, for example, officer getting a complaint on twice. So I have a story for that as well. Um, <laughs>
0: just look, just like a pastor, but go
4: ahead. Yeah, I got a story for that just as well. <laughs> so when I was signed to District 2, everybody knows District 2 uh, that was a police officer. kind of, I was signed to a rough team during that particular time. And um, I don't want to call my captain name at the time, but anyway. <laughs> if you are pretty active as a, as a young officer, sometimes you get complaints that may not be justified, right? And, and that happened to me a couple of times where actually this one lady called my captain and she had complained and she said, you know, I got stopped by Officer Forbes last night and she was upset because she received a ticket, a citation. And she said, he cursed me out. And my captain was like, I know that's not true. Forbes don't even cuss. You see what I'm saying? so... There needs to be a system to hold officer accountable, but we also had to make sure when we do it it's not that someone that don't like the police or they upset because they may have received some type of enforcement and now they complain on this officer, and the officer is moved out. You understand what I'm saying because I mean yeah, like it happened to me a couple of times where you know my complaint when they did investigation, I was clear from the complaint,
1: yeah. And I think the important thing to remember is that when we are, because BJ, you advocate for this a lot as well about filing complaints and making sure that you are uh, basically, uh, I guess, like following that system of hierarchy. But I think that we would be naive to say or to think that just because somebody complains that they're going to be believed. We live in a system where we victim blame anyway, whether it's blaming women for their own sexual assaults, um, if we're blaming people for, uh, I mean, we we blame people all the time. We're a victim blaming society. So I think it would be naive of us to say that you know it would even be automatically believed i actually think it would probably go the other way that if you were to make a complaint it's probably less likely that you're going to be listened to especially if it is against a police officer i think in a larger scheme we have this very pious view of police officers and they're to be respected and feared and when i say feared I, i don't mean like be scared of but almost like submitted to um so you know I guess for me is does that mean that we shouldn't have the two complaint limit or does that mean that we just have to put extra resources towards validating or invalidating these claims. Because I think the conversation a lot of the times, and I've heard it, has been either or. Either, you know, this is too much, you know, people can say whatever they want to say because they're angry, and then other people are like, well, I file file five complaints against the same officer, why did y'all not do anything? And it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive or black and white, because we're human, so there's a lot of gray area that I think exists, um, especially when interpretation is up for your own interpretation, really.
0: Yeah, no. And let me make sure there's not a, a limit. It's just what they're saying is they don't need to wait till there's like the tele officer shot somebody 16 times in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like if you've got two complaints within a month, something's going on. And I told but you even at my
1: job, I'm held to that standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. So, I mean, that's that's just ma- making sure everybody understand. And that's I think uh, if you got I think that also sends a message to the culture mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, you get two complaints, you know, whatever they are, they're going to be you got to come in and talk to me. Mm-hmm. And people should be if they I want people to feel comfortable in filing the complaint. There's no there's no don't file complaints. Right. I mean, we That's just right. had um, yeah. Mr. DeWarn Langley, Harmony, you couldn't make you had asked him to come on. He went through the civilian review board. Mm-hmm. And he's a chair of that. So, we, He. you know, he went through that process and, you know, making sure that the there's no abuse of discretion mm-hmm. within the within the agency. You know, well, you know, I know Harmony and. Um, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm not going to sustain this one. So they, they, you know, they got nine civilians from the walks of this city to to review that. So I mean, for those of you that want to hear that, that'll be posted. You know, hopefully in a couple of weeks. But yeah, so so yeah, we we need to allow people to to do that and and filing complaints. And you guys have to correct me. Is that most police officers? They like me. They just like want well, just want to catch catch a check. <laughs> you know, they they don't want to end up losing their jobs. And getting dismissed because we, and and again, Harmon, we're human, you know, we're going to make mistakes, you know, obviously some going to be egregious, you know, but for the most part, some days, you know, there's no such thing as you need to leave that at the house. Right. Not I guess right. my thing is, this: yeah, if yeah.
1: if I, you know, I sell insurance. So I deal with a lot of angry people all the time. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about insurance. Hell, I don't even want to talk about insurance most of the time, but it's my job. So it's what I do. So I do, I deal with a lot of angry people. And here's the thing. If my customers were complaining about the way that I've been suggesting things to them, the way that I was selling to them, whether it was, I was not responsive enough, I didn't give them correct answers. I would be in trouble. Not only would I be in trouble with, well, not in trouble, but I would, you know, have to answer to my direct management. But if I've made like a larger issue, I myself and the business is, is at risk of an ENO claim right. or is an omissions claim. Right. And so my thing is if, if an insurance agent can be held this responsible, surely <laughs> a police department that has sophisticated resources can do a better job of examining complaints um, and not only examining, but acknowledging, because I, I find that a lot of people who do complain don't necessarily expect there to be any type of action. They just want to be heard. And yes. I wonder how impactful it would be for the civilians that have made complaints. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to say that you can't interpret um, an event differently based on yeah. your emotions, because you absolutely can. But yeah. I think being, being seen and being acknowledged, like, we understand your complaint. We take this seriously. This is our process. I believe, personally, that that should be the response to every single complaint filed against a police officer. Because I wonder how many times, I don't even know the dude's name um, that killed George Floyd, whatever it is. He doesn't even deserve to have his name spoken, whatever his name is. Um, (laughs) I wonder how many how many incidents there were where someone could have intervened, whether that was somebody on his on his team, like we saw his his brothers in blue or whatever you want to call them, they didn't do anything. And that has to be a culture and internal shift of holding each other accountable police, I've seen the tactics, you know, everybody knows that they they look for somebody that's going to break, right? That's going to tell the truth. That's going to crack the case wide open and give them that smoking gun. And police officers could do that for one another. They could hold each other accountable in that way. And I think that that's also an important conversation that maybe we can explore. Um, if that's something that you guys had experienced while you were in the force, like, how did you, how did you do it? Because to me, it almost seems like this, this band of brotherhood like it's it's almost it's like this inherent loyalty where you're not supposed to go against you know the person that stands beside you and is subjected to the same things that you are on a day-to-day um so I don't know if if any of you have any perspective on that but I would be really interested in hearing how it was handled if you handled it if you didn't handle it how do you wish that you you know done it now having the information that you have today
4: all right. So let, let me say this. Um, you know, the team that I work with, um, one of the teams um, the street drug units, unit, you know, if a situation, you know, you can be in a situation, let's just say if I'm dealing with a uh, a suspect, right? And the suspect may hit me, strike me in the face or whatever. One thing that my team, we would do is say, okay, Forbes, if you are directly involved, and if I see that you are um, maybe I think you're using too much force. Then I'm going to come and intervene, and that's what we did. And so, for example, if I if an officer was hit by a suspect, take off, you get in a foot chase, you catch the, the the person. If I felt like the officer was maybe too involved with the situation, I would step between, and say, "Hey, I got it." Mm-hmm. And when I did that, the officer knew to back off. Right. Now, if I had an officer didn't back off when I uh, say I got it, then that's take it to a different level, where then, of course, you're going to get the supervisor and internal affairs involved. But that's one way that you can hold each other accountable is understand that if you see something not right, then I mean, you jump in and you, you take control of the situation.
1: And I love that you guys were able to acknowledge that when you're in that moment, Mm -hmm. you perceive things differently. Like fight or flight is a real thing. The way that adrenaline hits people is a very, very real thing. Um, And when you're directly involved in it, I I imagine that sometimes that, you know, what we would consider excessive to the person in the moment might seem justified. So I really like that you guys were able to acknowledge the humanness of each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And also I'm sure save each other from a lot of, difficulty um that would have been faced had you not been i would say a good enough friend a good enough teammate to intervene because i know that that's never you know that's never easy
2: right i would i would like to follow up just a little bit um because i loved your perspective um you you said you said several things and 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 i'll ask um bj and forbes both for their input (coughs) this um Thin blue line, and, and the whole thing about you're not going to tell on each other and you're going it, to, it doesn't run as deep as a lot of people think, especially like I said before about being a black officer. Um, it's not, we're not always included in things. In that,
1: absolutely. Or just
2: in things, period. Yeah. OK. Gotcha. And, and, and the reason <laughs> the reason I say that, Harmony, is because there are a lot of times where you may have officers do that won't do the same thing simply because a black officer is around. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Um, and, and I think that has a lot to do with the character of the officer. No matter if they're black or white, but you come upon situations where I know I'm not gonna get away with this around uh, Officer Forbes. I'm not gonna get away from uh, away with this around them. They might uh-huh. do it around each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that whole it just you you can ask officers and, and, and a lot of times, like I said before, we have to start in our communities because there are a lot of things that go on that we see on the news that we see you know worldwide that may not have or doesn't happen in your local department but the local department all police officers get blamed for it you know what i mean and it's not you know, I don't want if 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 that officer was on that man's neck, and everybody in the world should know that that was wrong. Everybody in the world—I'll speak for myself. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Knows he murdered that guy. Right. In my opinion, in yep. any other officer's opinion, I talk to. One thing about police departments and and police officers. You should have been well trained, and it's in my opinion to talk about this particular case. you can't have four or five, however many other officers that were there that should have been that well trained that had to treat that individual the way that they treated them you know what i mean absolutely um, this 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 George floyd was um in custody, a man laying on the ground or even put in a car in handcuffs was in custody already. Nothing outside of that should have happened. But one thing um, we are, and I'll I'll, I'll speak specifically about the Durham Police Department. Durham Police Department is a very well-trained police department. I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm not saying it will never happen. But with the training that officers get, with the equipment that and the resources that they have, that was just very uncalled for, and we see it over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, Jess, you got anything? I I, I do know that uh, a
3: a lot of officers' cases are investigated at the Durham PD. If you report it, it's, it's investigated. And if it's just a he said, she said kind of thing, then I think the investigators have to give the officer the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of times officers, and I mean a lot of times, officers receive discipline for uh, quote-unquote breaking the rules, but we don't share what that discipline is with the public because of personnel privacy laws, we, we can't do it. So from that standpoint, I think the public tends to believe that uh, sworn officers get away with any and everything, and that's just not true.
0: One of the, since you brought that, up, one of the things I know Durham did, and I, I learned about it after I left, that you guys started doing was if there's a complaint on Harmony and about a particular policy or procedure, and say it's sustained, which sustained means guilty, Uh, you guys say the complaint was sustained, and these, based on this particular violation, this is what she could get, the officer can get. Uh, And then you would list them, you know, I guess written reprimand, suspension, blah, blah, all the way down to termination. So the individual knows that one of those things happened to um, Harmony. One of those. Now, if they see Harmony, they know it wasn't termination. <laughs> so, yeah. but, they, but they know that she got something. something. Yeah, and and I and and I I've talked to a couple of agencies since I've you know found out about it since I've been retired. And I tell them what you guys are doing. I mean, I think that's that's so transparent because now the at least the person walks away. Well, they sustained it and they got something And which also I would tell I used to tell folks, you know, you have no idea as an executive that I might be sitting there going. I just need one more complaint on this officer. I just need one more complaint on this officer because I got to get rid of them. And then nobody files a complaint. You know, because, you know, there are things that we have to do internally. So, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciated you guys doing that. When I found out about that, I was so excited. I've been telling all the, uh, the agencies that I work with that that's, some, that, that's transparency. Because you're now saying, Sustained, she was guilty, and these are the ones she's going to get. And and I think that's that's, that's helpful. I yeah, that's
2: this, helpful. I would like to talk about... Um... Harmony's point as well on complaints and new, needing to do a better job on investigating complaints. Um, and I'm going to go back to just our department. And this is one thing that that needs to happen. Um, well, one, one thing, we're trying to work on um, federal rules and regulations that every department has to abide by. Not just everybody picking their own. Now Durham, <coughs> excuse me, is in a good place because we do have our our citizens oversight committee. It's not what it called, but that's what it is.
0: Civilian uh, is a civilian review
2: board. board. You, civilian
0: you ain't even gone. that long. You need to remember? Yeah. Go
2: ahead. Citizens, <laughs> citizens review board.
1: <laughs> um,
2: we 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 have it. So getting back to BJ's point, if more people do file the formal complaint because let's just let, let's just be honest you have people who will complain and people who bitch moan and complain well it's it's here,
1: folks
2: it's a difference yeah yep. so you can you can talk to your neighbor about it you can talk to another officer about it but if if in and, and, and I agree with BJ 100% if you feel like you were not treated fairly file the complaint, mm-hmm. and that's not, a, a complaint can do um, as much good for an officer than it can bad by clearing them once it's investigated up to the civilian review board because it if that, if that um, complainant is not satisfied, then it can go to the civilian review board mm-hmm. and let a whole board of civilians look at it and then they come up with theirs. Um, but, but I, I agree every department doesn't, but, you know, I, I, I want to stay local because just like your neighborhood, if your house, you clean up your house first <laughs> and neighbors clean their houses, the next thing you know, your neighborhood is night. Nice. I don't understand, you know, Durham can be a model agency, but they can't do it without the support of the citizens.
0: Right. Right.
3: Let me ask One y'all thing. this question. Do do any of you know what percentage of cases uh the citizens review board overturned? In in other words, let's say where our investigators didn't sustain a complaint and it got to the uh, citizens review board. Do we do any of you have any idea how many the citizens review board say, you know, go back and take a look at this because we think this should have been sustained?
0: Yeah well I, like I said I just talked to DeWarren and and it's it's low cuz think it was, is it low I mean, yeah yeah i mean he he went over he went back to like 2014 when he you know he's been the chair and he was saying since those fiscal years less than really three have even come before the board that they actually you know had to review themselves right. not even not, he, no he didn't even say anything about like overturning them or, you know, making that, you know, it, it went against the agency just the fact that they allowed it to be just to come to, to the board uh, after they looked at. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's low. So the agency is, is, is doing because you, because I guess the thing is they've got these non-civilians from the community that they know they're looking at, at them. And so uh, kudos to, to them because they're, they're, whatever they're sending to them, um, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And obviously the, the, the civilian put support the investigations and then the citizens, for most of what I can tell from his discussion. And those of you that might want to listen to that are, are okay with what the civilian review says. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a good system. It's working for Durham. It's, it's at least working for Durham. Wait, wait, what were you going to say Forbes?
4: Yeah. I, I want to go back to something um, chief Simler was talking about, you know, when we talk about complaints of, or when officers do right and wrong, it really come down to the individual officer integrity. And because, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong understanding we saying, you know, white officers are bad because I know some white officer have came to me and spilled the beans or some things that they didn't agree with. Uh, and even mm-hmm. to the point where they probably could have taken another action and they actually looked out for the suspect. So I look at it that, you know, yeah, there, there's a problem in police that needs to be addressed. But again, it comes down to the individual, whether you're black or white, whatever uh, your race may be, you know, what's on the inside of your heart if you're going to do the right or the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. It, and I totally appreciate you saying that. I, it's, I, I can't even right now. I mean, I think we also have to, especially for our white brothers and sisters out there that are getting it done. Uh, how difficult it is for them at this moment, I mean, how right. frustrating it is for them in, in this moment, because they're basically being judged on the actions of others, all law right. enforcement is at this point. Right. Um, but it's it's unfortunate, but that's something they've got to figure out how do they uh, I think what I like to say is how how are they gotta do a little they gotta do a little extra lifting mm-hmm. to make sure that who they are is viewed beyond the uniform. I mean they've right. got to get the community to see them. Not see the uniform, but they got to get them to see them as as, as another human interacting mm-hmm. with another human. And that's just a lot of extra work on them due mm-hmm. to the actions of a few in this industry. That's a good industry. Mm-hmm. It's a good industry. Uh, so, yeah. So so anybody So anybody else? We kind of make sure to, we don't have any other questions out here. But you guys got any last comments um, that you want to
2: talk you about? Know, I, I, I'll give I'll give a last. Are, are we closing out?
0: I mean, you go right ahead.
2: we we'll, 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 you know, okay. do, I, do I, your, this, this
0: is a, this is a not, close. We're not, we're not, are not getting ready to close it out. But you, you do you. We should okay. hang for a little while. Go ahead. Well, th- <laughs>
2: th- and this is this is a closing out kind of okay. comment. Um, I, I just feel like I would like to see the we, the big thing now is community policing. Yes. And I, I just really feel like if we can get, we being police professionals can get the community a little more active in community policing Mm -hmm. and understand that um, you can be involved in your, not just police department, but local government period, um, it would, it would really help. Um, And the reason I say that is a lot of times police departments take on um, programs and different things within their community that they are in charge of, mm-hmm. that that they run, and and it really should be more of a community, more of community input, mm-hmm. um, for your local programs, for community policing issues as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're missing more. We're, we're missing more community from the community policing side of this thing. So I I would ask people, especially in Durham, um, get involved with what's going on in your community. And I don't mean like, you know, every time something goes wrong, you know, you want to, you know, do whatever, but before before it gets to that point, you know, you can give a pin you you can get involved in POWs. you can get involved in other programs that we have and, and give your input to what's going on. Again, I'll say I don't see why Durham or any other department can't be the model department right. but you know the the big thing now is 21st century policing and and, 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 in, and in my opinion, any any, of the six tenets of 21st century policing will work very well with community input and community involvement.
0: Totally agree. Look, I, this, this comment, I want to read part of this comment because then I think it's a, it's a police, this comment was police departments sometimes hire candidates that look great on paper, but they're not really well-trained or well-suited to deal with people that they are not like them. Uh, they perform well in training environment, but when they're assigned to a district, they have to interact with people that they have not been used to dealing with. That where That's where the problems come in. And I, and I think that's so, it's about focus. Training has to change in how we recruit. Uh, we need to do more. I think we need to change, almost kind of like they're doing colleges, you know? So what kind of volunteering have you been doing? You know, those types of things. And the training, he, this person is absolutely right. Because uh, if you... Um, are not used to being around black folks and the only thing that you're looking at is stuff on TV or or, or you have this, you know, your your experience is not going to allow you to, to possibly communicate. It doesn't mean that you you don't, you're, you're racist or anything like that, but if you don't understand the community and the training and that has not been afforded to you, it could be an issue in the real world. And so I would also, we're going to put this on uh, a link, a uh, link, on my website, or that you can go to, but the that's one thing that the, this task force again, I'm bringing it up again that they have talked about is training. Training needs to be longer. It needs to be, you know, interpersonal skills, how to how to communicate, you know, diversity training, those the all all of that, and just it really does get down, you know, what kind of empathy, you know, the psychological stuff, you know, more of that on the front end, and they they've even suggested that. Obviously, you get that in a front end psychological work, but when you begun to be promoted, you know, maybe before you're promoted, they're suggesting that. And then you guys may be familiar with this. I heard one police department. I don't know whether Durham is doing this, but if you're on a particular career track, Mm -hmm. uh, what they're also saying for for some agencies, if you want to be a sergeant, then I need you to go to community meetings and I'm not going to give you overtime. Mm -hmm. Because if you're willing to come out and not get paid, that kind of shows me as an administrator, you're committed. Because you're willing to do do things like that, so so how we recruit and, and who we recruit is going to have to have a whole different look uh, as we start moving forward uh, because of this, you know, not because of this moment, but to in order to get folks that are, that are empathetic and all those kind of things. So uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate that. So yeah, community policing is it. Community got to be involved. We talked about that on defunding police when we did that broadcast about about yeah. that the 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 not pretty side of this conversation is going to budget meetings
1: <laughs> yeah
0: the, the not pretty side of this movement is you got to be in a room where the dollars are and figure out you know what you want how you want your police department to be and all that kind of stuff and where you want that money to go and what that's going to look like so if for those of you if you want to, you can take a look at that on our podcast so i think we're we're close to the end i want to appreciate you guys you ever have any parting words
4: uh, I would just like to say I thought this was a good conversation. Uh, I would be interested in uh, people that have joined us uh, if anyone uh, would like to have a certain certain topic for us to discuss at a later date.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you very. To make much. sure yeah. that we
4: given them what they, what they were like.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you. And like I said, this is our first live. We may do a, do another one later on in the year, but we'll have our regular podcast. And so I, I appreciate that. So thank you very much for for joining us. Thank you to the, those of you that joined us on Facebook. This was oh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Harmony, as always, for your input um jesse thank you very much terrence enjoy the beach yes i'm
2: jealous (laughs)
0: yeah and my personal pastor as always you know it's always good thank you ma'am and for those of you that join us thanks again for joining us Uh, listen to our podcast visit us on my website um it's all about going home comply then complain Uh, we want folks to get to the house so as always stay well stay safe peace